Where's your sense of adventure? I said. We don't need to make reservations, I said. I'm sure there's going to be something open, I said. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Our family loves a good road trip. I mean, loves it. Maybe it's because for the first seven years of our marriage, we lived in the Chicago area. And if we were going to be able to see either Kenny's family in Ohio or my family in Minnesota, we needed to pile in and schlep up in our car to do so. We'd put the kids in the car, starting with just the two boys and later added a daughter and eventually added one more son. We would pack snacks and, and juice boxes that would end up squirting everywhere. We brought blankets and toys and anything else we could think of that would be necessary to occupy little ones for hours. But we didn't pack movies. It wasn't any moral high ground choice or anything like that. We just didn't have screens. We didn't have them in our station wagon or our van later or our suburban after that. So our kids traveled pretty low tech. We brought an Etch-a-Sketch, Where's Waldo books, a Magnadoodle, a Viewmaster, and other travel-sized games. We dole them out strategically. Okay, you start with this book, you start with the Magnadoodle, you get the Etch-a-Sketch, you get the Viewmaster, and we'd set a timer for 15 minutes. They'd play with whatever they had, and when the bell would ring at the end of each round, the toy would move on to the next kid. It was a great way to kill an hour on the road. We brought piles of pipe cleaners as well. We'd hand them each a handful and give them 15 minutes to invent something for the kitchen or yard or restaurant or bedroom or whatever we'd tell them. When the time was up, each kid had to take turns presenting their invention to the rest of the car. We would ask them follow-up questions about it. Boom, another hour down. We also would never leave home with what we called the night-night tape. In fact, later when we got a car without a tape player, I had to hunt this thing down in CD. This recording we would only play when it was nap time. We'd plop it in and hand out, according to age, pacifiers or blankets or pillows or whatever else was needed. And like Pavlov's dogs taught us, they would just drop off to sleep one by one. I would actually follow pretty closely behind, and then Kenny would have an hour at least of peace as he drove. This was so effective that for years on out, even to this day, if one of the kids or I heard any song from the Maranatha Singers Praise 9 CD, like, we are here to praise you, or something like that, or the Servant King, if we heard it in church or anywhere else, our eyelids would start to feel heavy. Also, when the kids were little, we'd be sure to stop at least once at a McDonald's. They knew they could get Happy Meals only when we were on vacation. So for weeks in advance, they'd start noticing what toys were available and eagerly anticipate when they'd be able to get their hands on one of them. For quite a while, actually, they thought this was a McDonald's law. Kids can only get Happy Meals on vacation. Because of this, they got so worked up once when we went with another family from our church for lunch to a McDonald's in town, and their little friend ordered first, and he ordered a Happy Meal. My kids were looking up at me wide-eyed. They were pulling on my shirt, trying to get my attention, and I was trying to figure out what was going on. 
They pull me closer and they whispered, the workers don't know he lives here. He's getting a happy meal and he's not even on vacation. You should tell on him. <laughs> Remember when telling on someone felt so powerful and it felt just so right? Yeah, they were definitely in the midst of that spot. Anyway, I had to suggest that nobody was going to tell on him. And then I had to break the news that this actually isn't even a McDonald's law. It was just our family's rule. I could see reality set in on them, kind of like a cloud going by that then settled over them as they looked longingly at the Animaniacs figure or whatever it was toy that the friend was playing with. I could see them hoping, oh, I hope that thing's still around by the time we're on our next vacation. And we sat at the table and I divided out their fries and cut our hamburgers in half. Anyway, as our kids grew older, we continued to take road trips. We had moved to Minnesota by this time, so our drives to Ohio included overnight stops in or near Chicago so we could visit some of our favorite friends and restaurants that we'd left behind. We went also to St. Louis and Arkansas. We went to Seattle a couple times to visit family. We went to a number of other places too. A couple of times we went out to New York for King family reunions and we visited my sister and her family also. One summer, we drove to Speculator, New York for our first King family reunion at Camp of the Woods. It was a beautiful camp. We had a wonderful time and the drive out there was gorgeous. It took a few days because we chose to make stops in Illinois and in Niagara Falls along the way. Uh, before we left on this trip in particular, Kenny and I decided it would be fun slash meaningful slash a good idea or great use of time, anyway, to memorize a passage of scripture on our way out. We knew we were going to be singing, seeing the Niagara Falls, and so we chose Psalm 8. Psalm 8 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. But if I'm to be honest, that is not the way that we memorized it. Our Psalm 8 sounded a little bit more like this. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, 
Oh, that swim, the peza, the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? By the time we got to New York, we had the thing down. And we'd review it each night before we went to bed. Some of you right now might be thinking, you should not have memorized scripture in such a silly way. And honestly, I was kind of wondering about that myself. But back to road tripping. After this beautiful time at this camp, instead of making stops along the way at Niagara Falls or Chicago or whatever, our plan was to just make it to the other side of Chicago when we were driving home and find a place to stop for the night. Kenny wondered aloud, I wonder if it's a good idea if we should call ahead and book a hotel. Maybe, I said, I don't know, but what if we decide we want to go farther and then we're stuck with reservations? In the end, we decided to wing it. And in the end, we also were stuck with some pretty serious reservations. We made it through Pennsylvania and Ohio and Indiana and through Chicago. As we got to the other side, we started calling hotels. Deerfield, Libertyville, Gurney. We started calling hotels, finding out they were booked. We kept calling, kept hearing the same thing, no room at the end. We'd driven about 800 miles by now. Our kids were ready to get out, move around a little bit. We pulled over in a town, eventually between Chicago and Milwaukee, because we saw a hotel just off of the highway. We walked up there and asked if they had some room. They're like, no, we're so sorry. There was some food festival going on, like cheese or I don't know what. Anyway, they suggested, the person at the front desk suggested we go into the older part of town where a buddy of theirs had a place that sometimes rented out rooms. We could try there. Now, there were so many red flags in that sentence that we just totally ignored. Instead, we got directions. As we look back, older part of town, my buddy has a place, he sometimes rents out rooms. Anyway, we turned this way and that, passed most of the inhabited part of town, and ended up in the outskirts. We pulled in front of a long rectangular building that had some places, it was two-story, some three, and had a bar on one end. We pulled up in front of the bar where Kenny was supposed to go in and, and check in. And I waited outside in the van with the kids. A fight broke out in the bar, which spilled out onto the sidewalk and onto the front of our van. There was yelling and pushing outside and also started some yelling inside our van as well. Are we okay? What's happening? Is daddy okay? And he wasn't in the fight. He was just in the building. They couldn't see him. I tried to answer and assure them, but I was in need of assurance myself. I locked our doors and then timed it just right to unlock them when Kenny came to the car. He got in and I tried to communicate my fear to him and misgivings while communicating confidence to the kids. So, did it seem like a great place from the inside? Because outside, we saw some interesting fighting. He said, oh, the front desk guy said it was quieter around back, which we both assumed had to be right because it could not have been louder. We drove to the back, took out our suitcases, took out our kids. As we were approaching the security door, we're looking at the key the guy gave us, and we're like, this does not at all look like it works with this door. What are we going to do here? But no problem. The window was broken. So we could just reach our hand right through. We opened up the, quote now, security door. Kenny led the way to our room. There were some numbers on the, on the doors, but not everyone had a number. The kids went between us, and I brought up the rear. I started noticing signs on the door as we were walking. Welcome. Merry Christmas. It was the middle of summer, anyway. My room, my rules. I'm thinking, my goodness. We got to our room and walked in. The kids followed Kenny, and I noticed the door, I was bringing up the rear, and I noticed the door across from our room was cracked open just a bit, with long black hair hanging out from it. 
I'm like, this has got to be my imagination because that was just too weird. We got in, had the door shut. My back was to the door. And then I saw these little plastic glasses. I said to Kenny, oh, look, these plastic glasses are wrapped in plastic wrap. It's just like a real hotel. Honey, are we at a real hotel? What do you think? Before he could respond, there was a loud knock at the door providing our answer. Because I was standing right in front of it, I turned around quickly and I looked in the peephole. I then realized that the long black hair was not in my imagination. Instead, it was on the head of a man who stood about six feet, five inches tall, and was huge and right outside of our door. I didn't say anything. I just looked at Kenny and I motioned him to the door. He looked at the peephole and said, can I help you? The man outside said, yeah, give me money. We realized right then that we actually knew the answer to our question, can I help you? And the answer was actually no. We could not help him. Well, Kenny continued to explain that to him in various ways. I looked over at the kids who were standing there just frozen by their suitcases and eyes wide. I went past them and grabbed the phone and called the front desk and I told them about our unwanted guest. First, he did not even hear that seemed that surprised to hear me call, but said he'd make his way over and tell him to stop. Kenny and I at this point started quietly discussing our options. While we were quietly discussing these, we hear the front desk guy start talking to our long-haired friend and they started talking kind of quietly. I'm asking Kenny, do we stay or do we go? <laughs> do we stay? Anyway, if we leave, where are we going to go? If we stay, what's going to happen to us? We heard the discussion outside start to escalate. Now it was turning into an argument. I just asked him for money, dude. He's like, well, you need to stop. You need to get out of here. You need to leave. We looked at the kids and while that argument outside was, was escalating, our discussion inside was peaceful. We were now of one mind. We were going to get out of here. We looked at the kids, well, I did, as I explained the plan while Kenny was gathering up their suitcases. Okay, kids, here's what we're going to do. Dad's going to open the door, and he's going to carry your two suitcases. Um, boys, you're going to carry your own behind you, and then each of you are going to walk out of the room, pull your suitcase behind you. You're going to walk as fast as you can down the hall. You're not going to ask any questions, and then as soon as we get into our van, if you've walked real fast and you haven't asked any questions, you can ask tons of questions in the van, and you can eat snacks, okay? All right, let's go. And Kenny opened the door. He had to kind of push the door open because the man with the, the long hair and the man from the front desk were actually kind of leaning against it by this point. We booked it down the hall, past the, my room, my rules, Merry Christmas and welcome. We hustled out the security door, which was easy to leave. We, that was missing a window. We made it to the van. Kenny was grabbing suitcases. He was tossing them into the back. I was grabbing kids and tossing them in their seats. We closed the door and we drove away. Then we turned around and we drove back so Kenny could run into the bar, grab our credit card receipt and make sure they didn't have that. And then we were off. We started calling hotels in Milwaukee. And heard the same thing. Sorry, we're booked, booked, booked. Someone, it's a peach festival, I was told. Who knew? I told my husband, I am so sorry. I wanted an adventure. I told him right now, I think you're right. It would have been great to make reservations instead. He said, well, we actually had huge reservations at that last place. Ha ha ha, we laughed. But we weren't thinking anything was funny. Finally, someone, after telling me they were booked, said, have you tried the Hotel Metro? They might not be booked. They're brand new. And people haven't heard of them yet. They gave me the number. I called. The woman at the front desk said, looks like they might have one room left, but I'm not sure. I said, what, what makes you not sure? She's like, I'm just not sure if it's ready for guests. I told her, this is an answer to prayer. I am sure it is ready for us. 
She said, just a minute. She put us on hold and came back. She said, no, I'm sorry. It, it just is not ready for guests. I asked her what the problem was. She said, well, the curtains haven't been hung up yet, and the bathroom didn't have the toilet paper holder up. I told her, we are so good at hanging curtains, and shamelessly begged for the room. She finally agreed. I hung up. I looked at Kenny and said, I forgot to ask even how much this room was. We decided we do not even care. We pulled up to the front of the hotel. It was gorgeous. The valet was there ready to take our van. The lobby was beautiful. If you'd look at the website today, this is what you would read. This historic Art Deco-inspired hotel is located in the heart of downtown Milwaukee's Art and Financial District. Our romantic suites aren't just big, they're huge! Hotel Metro's 63 spacious suites range in size from 450 to 750 square feet and feature plush bedding, luxurious bathrooms, and award-winning interior designs. From romantic fireplaces and whirlpool tubs to modern amenities, we can accommodate every type of traveler. We walked into our room and definitely felt accommodated. <laughs> we hung these gorgeous drapes. We walked down the beautiful hall that was part of our beautiful room slash suite slash where even are we? We turned the corner and found beautiful beds that both looked and felt like clouds. We walked into the bathroom that was almost as big as the fake hotel room we had just left. We saw there was a roll of toilet paper sitting on the floor because a hanger wasn't up yet. We called down to complain. Just kidding. No, we did not. We took turns taking showers and relaxing in clouds of softness and an unwinding from our past experience, continuing to answer lots of questions from our kids. When we were clean and relaxed and getting ready to fall asleep, Danny said, do you know what this reminds me of? I was thinking, no, I am certain you've never been anywhere this fabulous, so I have no idea what you're going to say. But I said, no, I don't. What does it remind you of? And he answered, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the son of man that you care for him.